0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zuba Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: Good afternoon. We Canadians are coming to terms with the horrific news that one of our own has been beheaded by terrorists in the Philippines. Seems like an unlikely scenario, and yet the possibility of it happening has been on the radar since September. That's when John Ridsdale was kidnapped, now dead... Ridsdale was taken hostage along with Canadian Robert Hall, the Filipino woman he'd been dating, Meredith Floor and Norwegian Kjartan Sekingstad who once lived in Canada and is said to be carrying a Canadian passport. Former federal interim liberal leader Bob Ray had been working behind the scenes to try and free John Ridsdale. He's also and had been a friend of Ridsdale since 1966. Bob Ray joins us on the line. Thank you so much for being part of the program here today.
2: Not at all. Thank you for uh, for having me on.
1: Bob, tell us about your friend John.
2: Uh, he was an adventurous, uh, gregarious, uh, fun-loving man. He uh, did a lot of different things in his life. He was a journalist, a writer, a broadcaster. Uh, went to work for uh, oil companies and mining companies, um, did a lot of work in, um, in uh, third world countries uh, from uh, Algeria to, uh, to the Philippines. And uh, at the time of his, uh, of his capture, he was in semi-retirement uh, on a sailboat.
1: So he was very savvy as a traveler. He had done a lot of traveling and spent a lot of times overseas. Did it come as a surprise to you when you heard what was going on?
2: He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, it it would appear that what happened was that uh, he and a bunch of other people were in this resort, and he was on a dock uh, because he was sailing, and uh, uh, people... uh, he was captured, uh, along with th- three other people, and it, 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 it appears that uh, the capture was entirely random, that they were just rounded up and, and, uh, and, and taken. Uh, this is a tactic that's used by this group, Abu Sayyaf, and that is to to capture people and then demand uh, 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 demand a ransom.
1: Tell us more about these terrorists, and some people will say they're not terrorists, that they're just kidnappers and that they use the ISIS or al-Qaeda backdrop as, as window dressing, really.
2: Well, I mean, in the, in the world today, it's pretty hard to tell the difference between a terrorist and a gangster. I mean, a, a terrorist is just a gangster with an ideology. Uh, they, they use all the tactics of gangsters. They bully people, they terrify people, they kidnap people, they murder people, they extort uh, for money, um, and that's what they do. Uh, but uh, there's no question that uh, this group, like many others around the world, is motivated by uh, an extremist uh, and perverted version of, uh, of, uh, of Islam.
1: Did you ever speak with John Ridsdale while all of this was going on over the last uh, six, seven months?
2: No, not directly.
1: Did you hear via a third person? I mean, we know that you were involved in negotiations behind the scene. Are you you able to tell us some of of what that involved?
2: Not really, Uh, mainly because uh, there's still three people in captivity, uh, but... uh, I did what I could to help the family to make sure they were in a position to, uh, to to deal with the Canadian government and do everything possible to try to to try to save not only their father but also the other three. I mean, the negotiations that happened with the families, uh, I would stress, uh, were in discussions with the families. Uh, were were about all four uh, who were in captivity.
1: So, when you say negotiations with the families, that means the Canadian government was not involved, or was a sidebar to the involvement.
2: Uh, well, the Canadian government's policy, uh, again, I'm not disclosing anything that's not widely known. The Canadian government's policy is not to negotiate and not to um, not not to pay any ransom. So, um, this the the initiatives that were taken were. Uh, have to be taken by the families that's that's how it that's how it worked
1: so what was the family what was the position of the family of john Ridsdale? I mean most of us, if we had the availability of money, somehow we would mortgage everything, turn everything upside down to free a loved one
2: well that, i don't want to go into the details
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but let's just say that everything the family did everything humanly possible to uh, to save John and to save the others. And all the families did the same.
1: We're speaking with former federal interim liberal leader Bob Ray about his friend John Ridsdale, who was beheaded yesterday by terrorist kidnappers uh, in the southern Philippines. In your estimation, what went wrong? Well,
2: again, I, I think it's it's too, it's too not the right time to, uh, to simply look at this as an isolated incident. They, there are still three families involved, and... and uh, I'm sure once uh, you know once that situation has been resolved, there'll be a lot of opportunities to uh, to look long and hard at uh, at what has happened and and uh, uh, and, and what took place. So I, I'm not going to go into uh, what I know and don't know, but uh, all I can tell you is what I just said, and that is that uh, that every Canadian should know that this family did everything humanly possible, and and
1: uh,
2: and it uh, it wasn't enough.
1: But, why should it have been the responsibility of the family to free a Canadian overseas being held by kidnappers slash terrorists?
2: Uh, th- those are questions you should direct to Mr. to the, to the Canadian government not to me
1: because it's interesting uh, when when Mohammed Fahmy Fahmi was in custody and Justin Trudeau was not, not the opposition leader, but he was in opposition, and he was very critical of the Harper government for not doing everything possible to get FAMI back here. Uh, was, are those just fighting words? There's nothing concrete to those type of words? I mean, you would think that if that uh, was really his if you, sentiment... If
2: you, have, if you have questions for Mr. Trudeau, yeah. you should direct them to Mr. Trudeau.
1: No, I understand. Um, I can
2: only tell you that, uh, that in, in this case uh in a very tragic, complicated situation. Uh family uh the the, the 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 people captured in a war zone, uh very, very uh difficult circumstances, the Filipino military, uh American military advisors, um a lot of complexity in terms of uh of dealing with this situation.
1: I guess what is fair to ask you then, Bob Ray, is do you think that Canada's policy should change with regard to freeing hostages?
2: Again, that's something I I would feel a lot freer discussing once we, once we uh, we deal with the situation of the three people who've already been uh, been uh, been, uh, been captured. But I I I have some views, but I I think it's best for us to focus attention on making sure that the people who who have been captured are, uh, are released, and that's where I think our effort should be focused.
1: Uh, in the studio with us, Bob, is security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. R- Ross, you've been listening along here. Um, just before I let you go, Bob Ray, I'm wondering if Ross has any questions for you.
3: Yeah, Bob, I just want to say this first of all. Sorry for the loss of your friend. Uh, it's such a tragic thing, as you know, uh, for dealing with it being so close to it. Am I to understand that really what your role was was to be an advocate for the family, and they help them to reference and make sure they were speaking to the right people in the government, that you were not necessarily involved in the negotiations, just giving them every avenue to deal with the government. That's right. And And this would have been, I imagine, who they were dealing with. These come with very, very large and complex teams that have to deal with this. Sorry, I missed that. There was a very large and complex number of people that they're going to have to deal with for, for managing these problems, correct? That's right. And the issue I think we're going to have to find out, as you're so plainly saying, is I think we do need to have some information from the government as to what their policies are for either green lighting or red lighting going forward on doing something. It, it, it sounds like I can read a lot more by what you're not saying. Is that they wanted the family to be responsible for paying the money, if money was to be paid, and not the government to be seen to be paying the money, because that's their policy. Uh,
2: again, I, I'm sorry to be unhelpful, but I, I just think it's it's better to be having these discussions once we once we realize what, uh, once we know what the outcome is going to be with respect to the other families involved.
1: No, and and that makes sense, and we will have that conversation after. The three remaining hostages are freed. We do appreciate uh, your confidence in what you can share with us, Bob Ray. It's uh, it's a real pleasure speaking with uh, you, a Canadian icon, a household name for many decades. We appreciate your time.
2: Thanks very much.
1: You're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Libby Snymer. I'm Jane Brown, filling in until the end of the week. And we are here with Ross McLean. We're continuing with the discussion. We want to get your feedback now. We want to hear from you. Should Canada pay ransoms, the Canadian government, should Canada pay ransoms to terrorists or kidnappers? Or is giving in providing incentive for them to continue this practice at the risk of losing lives? 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. I'll ask you those same questions, Ross.
3: They're tough questions. I'll give you my best answers. Straight talk, Libby. Jane. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. Okay, give Lib- me Libby in
3: for Jane. That's- Jane G- in for Libby.
1: Give yes. me your best answer.
3: Oh, right now, I thought we might have been going to break. Right now, you can tell a lot when I listen to people uh, by what they don't say more than by what they do say. And Bob Ray was uh, as forthcoming as he possibly could be. But let's be clear, when you're dealing with uh, situations like this with hostages, you do have professionals who deal with it. uh, And you do have people across the board, you have people like himself, people who are out of government who get back involved, you have Special Forces people. You have ex-Special Forces people. You have private industry that's involved in this. I personally used to work and train with a guy from the British SAS. He he left doing that. That was their Special Air Forces services. He left, and he has his own security company. He protects uh, mines in dangerous areas all around the world, and he employs ex-Special Forces people to protect them there. You get into issues like Kidnap and ransom insurance and how you deal and how you respond to this. So it is a very complicated issue that people don't like to talk about as to how you resolve them. But I think the toothpaste is out of the tube on this one, Jane.
1: In so much as that we know or we can surmise what has happened behind the scenes.
3: I think anybody who's, who has a little bit of knowledge about the area would know about what's going on behind the scenes. And I thought that your question, which was very pointed, was how is the family supposed to do this? It's re- the family doesn't have any ability other than to raise money, ask for help, or do anything. It is the government that has the ability to green light, to ask for help, to do special forces, to gain help of the Philippines government, to work with them to be able to free them. The family can't do that.
1: And, right, I mean, my feeling is if you're a Canadian and you're traveling overseas, you have your passport, uh, you have your citizenship, is it not the responsibility of your government to help you out if you're in trouble? I mean, that just seems like a given, at least in a Western nation.
3: Well, that's what you'd like to look to. And people are speaking constantly about uh, the Israeli response to terrorism, and they don't pay Uh, They don't pay for hostages and, and they don't negotiate, but that's not true. They do pay and they do negotiate where the ask is reasonable. Here you're asking $8 million for each person. It's not reasonable. And what the Israelis will tell you is they will say, you will release them or we will deal with you now, later, or sometime. They take names and they do not forget. And, you know, you have to have a strong stance against terrorism if you're going to stand up to it, and you have to be a credible negotiator. And that's the government's job at this point. The family can't threaten them. The family can't. The, uh, the Canadian government can, though.
1: Let's go to Margaret in Kitchener. What do you think, Margaret? What's What's your opinion about what's happened over the last 24 hours? I had to take you off a of speakerphone. Um, are you there? Yeah, we're here and waiting for your comments. My opinion is no matter who kidnaps, what kidnapping goes on anywhere? You do not give in to the demands because once you do, they will continue doing it. And I know lives will be lost, but that's that's the price you have to pay for stopping some people.
3: You know, if if I can say, uh, caller, it's, it's a strong line, and it's a strong line that sh- people should put out. It, however, is not the reality of dealing with uh, kidnappers like this. This group has collected on average, every year between 10 and $25 million a year for the last decade, kidnapping similar people. They have kidnapped journalists. They have kidnapped uh, Red Cross people. They have kidnapped students. They have kidnapped Americans. They have beheaded people before. And people do pay to have people released. What you need to have, as I say, is the hard comeback where, okay, we'll give you the $6 million, but then we'll come back and get you. Or we'll give that $6 million to the Philippine Special Forces to supply them to go in and keep hunting you. It's your choice. You have to negotiate hard.
1: Alan Collingwood, it's your turn on fight back on Zoomer radio. go ahead.
2: Yes just have a question about uh, Robert Fowler and his being freed. Uh, where did the 1.1 million dollar ransom come from?
1: Excellent question. That information came out that 1.1 million was paid in 2009 in exchange for the freedom of Canadian Robert Fowler and his assistant. Now we what we don't know Ross is who paid that money right? Right.
3: And this is the plausible deniability. When it comes to these international incidents like this, the special forces teams uh, for a variety of countries, but no, most notably the United States, they are basically like the old show Mission Impossible. They will go in and they will do stuff and there will be deniability. If they go in and they fail, there'll be no deniability. There'll be no rescuing them. They go in and they do the job. And sometimes you pay money. If Look, a million dollars. It would cost you a million dollars to launch an operation against them. So, you know, you weigh the consideration for it, but you definitely don't do it to make yourself more open to being uh, taken advantage of again.
1: Did then-Prime Minister Stephen Harper elasticize the rules a little bit? Do you think that that money came from the government of Canada? Or that would that be just pure speculation?
3: Well, once again, you don't know where the money comes from. And I don't think anybody necessarily cares where the money comes from, other than the government, to say we didn't do it so we don't give into it. Well, right. Everybody else would be fine to say, oh, I, I raised the money on crowdfunding or it was given to me by a philanthropist or we sold our house and we got it. You know, that's not the issue. The issue is saving the life and then dealing with terrorists in a strong way.
1: And and the al-Qaeda terrorists involved in the capture of Robert Fowler later said that they were built. you know that they the one million dollars was nothing and that they hadn't asked for nearly enough. And now we're looking at seven years later, eight million dollars for a similar type of terrorist organization.
3: yeah, and 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 make no mistake. Uh, based on who you're dealing with, we'll have someone deliver the the million dollars to you, and you just may get your head blown off when you're collecting it.
1: We're speaking with terrorism and security expert Ross McLean. Always a fascinating conversation. And we want to hear from you. Should Canada pay ransoms to terrorists or kidnappers? We have another Canadian over there, Robert Hall, being held by the same kidnappers. What do we do about him? We want to hear from you. We'll keep up this discussion until the bottom of the hour. 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: We're talking about the horrific development in the southern Philippines of the beheading of a Canadian John Ridsdale, and now the fact that there is another Canadian there, as well as a Norwegian and a Filipina, waiting to be freed, that likelihood, well, I guess this is where we have Ross McLean come in. He's our security and terrorism expert. How likely is it that we can, that's, that these three individuals can be freed?
3: Well, we'll have to see how the the governments decide to move forward on this and what sort of deal they're able... I, I can't answer that because I don't really know if they put pressure on or they didn't put pressure on or they decided to not green light certain projects because they didn't wanted to save face politically. I don't know. So it's very hard to answer that question. I will say this. If they did want to green light it and they did want to go hard, they absolutely have the ability to do it. The, uh, let me give you a quick little bit of background on this, uh, uh, Jane, and for the listeners. In 2001, after the Twin Towers went down... Some of the people affiliated with that were out of the Philippines, and they fought in Afghanistan in the 1990s with Osama bin Laden. The U.S. took $25 million, their special forces people, and went over and trained a special brigade of the Philippine armies for special forces just to fight this group and do counterterrorism hostage-taking. They've been doing that for over 10 years. They only just recently started to disengage from dealing with that. So the U.S. special forces are intimately engaged, intimately know how to deal with this target, and this group now is down to only about three or 400 people. This is not a massive group. So it's certainly within the realm of dealing with if you wanted to militarily.
1: And these three individuals uh, who were aligned with John Ridsdale they're not the only ones being held hostage right now by these kidnappers in the southern Philippines,
3: right? There are others. The last I heard, there's about 15 people from different places and around the world uh, who are being held hostage by this group.
1: Now, Joe Warmington at the Toronto Sun writes today, what should have been considered was a military extraction exercise led by Canada's crack JTF-2 counterterrorism team with air support from our now idle CF-18 Hornets. Was, is that a realistic scenario to get these people out of there?
3: Yeah, he was making the point that you can make a military move to do this. And our JTF team are elite special forces. They will have trained with the U.S. special forces. I'm sure they've trained with the Philippine special forces. I will bet, I don't know this, but I will bet they've probably even done exercises over there. And they've done this exact same sort of routine, practice again and again and again for doing hostage extraction. So the ability is there. The resources are there. Whether the green light is there to do it or not mm-hmm. is the question.
1: Let's get another call in before we wrap up this uh, very interesting topic. Walter from Hamilton. Would, do you have a question for Ross McLean?
2: Yes, I have uh, something to talk about this. Is there a way as you old saying go, to attack the, the Taliban, the Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and all these uh, perverts for lack of a better term, to promote violence like this, is there a way to choke them financially to find out what their, all of their source of income and mobilize institution, everything we can to bear upon freezing their accounts and everything like that, even if necessary to find out where, which well, oil well or, or sources like that, that that their, uh, I don't know how you call that, uh, dividends or whatever it is that finances these organizations
1: okay
3: yeah yeah there is there absolutely is and the u.s is trying to do that canada is trying to do that whether they're effective or not is is another story uh there is ways of shutting it down that's why you know if you go to buy a house or something like that you have to list where your income is and that's an anti-terrorism clause on your financial application because they want to know how where you got your money from so there are absolutely are ways to do that are we doing it well enough or good enough I don't know. There was just recently, uh, Jane, an Iranian, an Iranian company, they were, of course, not to deal in the U.S. for a number of years. They were frozen out. They were just uh, arrested a bunch of people. They used one Canadian company to help launder money from the Iranians through Canada into the U.S. to buy U.S. properties and do that. So, You know, there's a lot of back-channel ways that these people can get financing, and your caller is right. That is one of the things you have to do to choke these people down is take away the money.
1: Now, this was Prime Minister Trudeau's first test at facing a direct confrontation in a terror crisis. Uh, some would blame him for the death of John Ridsdale. But moving forward, and and you know what people say, so, as you say, by the things they don't say, should we feel confident in what Justin Trudeau said yesterday about efforts that may or may not be being made to, to release this additional Canadian?
3: Once again, what he didn't say is he didn't call it terror. He didn't call it ISIS related. This group is honest. To goodness, as affiliated with ISIS as you can be, they went there about two and a half years ago for doing it. They fly the flag, they sing the songs, and they started doing a higher spate of kidnappings like this just to get money to funnel it back to ISIS to fund terror in the Middle East. So this is an ISIS-related group. They're at war with Canada. They've now killed another Canadian uh, for doing this. We already had the two soldiers that have died on soil, and he did not say Islamic uh, terrorism. He did not say ISIS, and he did not use the word terror. So it's pretty clear that they don't want to say certain things. And if you, you can't say them, you can't deal with them.
1: Excellent conversation. Thank you, Ross McLean. We will uh, have you in again soon to continue this discussion.
0: Thank you, Jane. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.